Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? You're gonna jump, it's gonna talk about the misfits right now. This is the third broadcast this week, that's not that much anyhow. Actually, it is just a little bit, but we can't miss the Misfits broadcast because it's the mother effing shit. Do you want to hear Jeff talk when he's talking now? He never shut the book up. Hey, welcome. Hey now. Hey now. I do know who Howard Stern. I do know that's from Howard Stern. Someone the other day was like, oh, I thought you were doing the Howard Stern thing. I am. I just don't know where Howard gets it from. But I do know he goes, hey now, hey now. So that's where I was doing the hey now, hey now from Howard Stern as well. If this stupid thing would ever load. It's taken forever to load. It always takes so long to load. Why is that? Why is that? It takes so long to load. Should we start the show off the proper way? We haven't done that in some time, right? Like, we need to do the proper. And, you know, Nigel, who listens to these streamy streams, I well, I haven't gotten to it yet. One day I'm going to. I'm going to re-record the vocals, and we're going to have a much better intro song. But in the meantime, we'll just use the, the old school one until we get there. But, you know, that's just the way it goes. Okay, the show is going to begin right now. Jeff is gonna talk about the misfits right now. He's a nerd about this stuff, obsessed anyhow. Jeff never shuts his face, always needs to talk. My eyes are somewhere if he went out for a walk. Do you think Dancy cares? He doesn't care. He's not into ranch. You know, I was so pleased with how well-received last week's episode was that see, everybody seemed to really enjoy um, enjoy what we were doing with the, uh, um, the eye misanthrope, the... Uh, the Sam Hain to Earth AD and vice versa. I was really happy with that episode. It came out really nice and really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah. So hi guys. Couple of couple of housekeeping keep <laughs> couple of housekeeping items before we get to the the main meat of of tonight's uh, pseudo filler show. Um, first, I got you know oh, I love getting stuff in the mail. It is so much fun. I got something in the mail. What did I get in the mail? What did I get in the mail today? We need a mail song. What came in the mail today? Oh, 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 oh. 
I love it. These packages, sometimes they get addressed to me as Jeffrey Murdergram from us. I love that. That's great. They send my Jeffrey Murdergram to all these muskets. Oh, let's pull it out. Ready? We're going to pull it out of the package. Oh, my goodness. It's a T-shirt. It's a freaking T-shirt, man. We got some. Look at these. Look at these. Who could it be for? Oh, it's from our friend Robbie Bloodshed. Who I was just talking to on the phone right before we started here. Look at these. I'm in love with these Mylar, whatever, these hologram stickers. This is really cool. This is really, really, really cool, man. <laughs> I got to I gotta rewind it and replay the... I forgot what it was already, Droid. I don't remember what it was. I think Droid needs a nickname, too. What should we call him? Droid 138 or something? Oh, these are cool stickers, though. Thank you, Robbie. And then Robbie also sent... Look at the... You know, you know I'll tell you. I really appreciate Robbie's gift, but far like cooler to me or more meaningful are these these little notes. It says, Jeff, have a merry, gory Christmas which is from the, the Misfits poster. Thanks for everything, my friend. Robbie Bloodshed. He says, P.S. I only made three of these. There are only three of these shirts. This is a special Robbie Bloodshed shirt. This is so cool. I'm so excited to check it out. Let's take a look, guys. we got here oh this is awesome look at this see that it just says she on the shirt i love it in the in the cough cool font that is so cool man look at that she oh man that is radical i will definitely be rocking this and some black too i love it man thank you robbie thank you and you know what I love this. You know, I've saved I, not all of them, but you know, Robbie, when he's some of his packaging, I've saved it. I still have it because I just like the art that he drew on it. Thought it was cool, so I kept it. Um, what's up? What's up, Room Work? You missed it. I did the theme song. I don't think you were here for that. Um, but we hadn't done that in a while, so I had to do that. Uh, John is filling us in. Hey, now was sidekick Jeffrey Tam Tambers' catchphrase. On the Larry Sanders show. Okay, so is that where it comes from? I always thought it was a Howard Stern thing. Uh, I'm doing very well, Carrie. How are you? Thank you for asking. I guess are you are you getting ready for the holidays? You know, you know, Jew, Jews, us Jews, we have a ritual on the holidays as well. We do uh, on Christmas. It's our tradition to eat Chinese food and watch a, a movie. That's what we do on Halloween. I mean, not Halloween, on Christmas. That's a that's a Jewish Christmas right there. And it's a good Christmas. We enjoy that. I have one more thing I want to show. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, Howard sampled that. That's where the hey now comes from. Thank you. Hey now, hey now. I have one more thing to show to you guys. Um, last Sunday, I made a very rare trip into the city. I don't make it out to the city much these days. It was very nice, actually, to go in. Matter of fact, I got to try Sticky's Chicken. If you've never had Sticky's Chicken, holy crap, this is a religious experience, man. Um, it, they have boneless dark meat thighs. Sorry for you vegetarian vegans out there. Um, I kind of, I kind of consider myself vegetarian-ish. Like, I try to eat, like plant-based a lot of the time but i and i i eat everything but try to eat less of the meat meat stuff if i can help it um 
but yeah, I when I was in the city, I was like, I got to have me some sticky chicken because it just looked so good. It was good. It was like this hot honey sauce right next to Krispy Kreme, too. Bad combination. Bad combination. Speaking of Robbie, here's Robbie now. Robbie, thank you again for the shirt. Lovely shirt. It just says she on it. For those of you who missed, you got to rewind it. Um, I actually, I did not go. I, I, I was, you know, the person I was hanging out with was in, was at Generation Records doing a book signing. His name is Kevin Salk. And this is his book. Um, Kevin, I met up with Kevin in his hotel room uh, to just do an interview with him. I interviewed him. Um, and just to talk about like, you know, what, what punk rock life was like back then as a teenager and just hear about his experiences. He told me some cool misfit stories and he gave me a copy of his book, punk. This is called punk, um, photos from a fan perspective. And what's up, Russell, Russell Murdergram is here as well. How you doing, Russell? Good to see you, buddy. Rusty Murdergram. Um, this is his book, and he took pictures of a lot of friggin' bands, including the Misfits. You saw Doyle actually posted, um, Doyle posted a, 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 a photo of his book here. I'm not gonna, so there's, ah, oh my goodness. Check this out. Ah, that's Doyle, that's Doyle's tattoo right there, and that's the story. And, um. Yeah, this is a really cool book, and I forgot. I have to put a link. I want to put a link to it. Everybody should check out this book, man. And the guy's name, Kevin. Awesome dude. Kevin Salk. Really, really spectacular fellow. We, we had a really good time hanging out together. And here's some more of his photos. He said he was hanging out with Glenn Friedman in the city. And uh, he had a book signing at Generation Records. I didn't get to go to the book signing uh, due to a snafu, but... I did get to, as I said, I met with him in his hotel room. We did an interview, and he uh, he he uh, bestowed me with one of his books signed, which was really cool, man. Really great photographs. It's not just photographs, though. There are stories. He's got stories in here as well, including a, a misfit story that none of us have heard. I mean, it's a really spectacular misfit story. Um. <laughs> Really, really something else, something from his friend uh, who the Misfits stayed over at his friend's house. And so uh, she talked about what it was like uh, having the Misfits over. And it's in this book. So you should pick up a copy. Check it out for sure. Punk photos from a fan's perspective. This guy was 17 years old and he just grabbed a camera and started going to punk shows. He saw a lot of black flag shows, Circle Jerks, the Misfits. You know, you name it, man. Minor Threat, all these bands, and he would just take all these pictures, just tons and tons of pictures. Circle Jerks, of course. Um, and he's got he's got stories in here from Keith Morris, Greg Hetson, uh, Henry Rollins. I th I believe told the story. Earl Liberty, um, just just tons and tons and tons of stuff. Those those photos you you see of of Doyle's tattoo. He's the guy who took that, and he saw the misfits at Bob's place as well as Galita. Jeff Nelson uh, has a little story. Brian Baker is in this book. Dancing Waters, really spectacular. Um, so I highly recommend you check it out. 
we'll, we'll have a Milo from the Descendants. We got some Descendants photos in here. Check this book out for sure. We'll get a um, we'll get a, a a link up in that up in this piece. Um, news, news. What's going on with the news? News. Again, if you are a Patreon, we'll talk about this a little bit later. If you're a Patreon, we've got a special Patreon video coming on December 23rd. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. Something slightly different from the Lodi files. So keep your eyes peeled for that when that unlocks. What else can I tell you? Uh, the feature film that I made in 72 hours, which is atrocious and nigh unwatchable. I'm going to, I'm going to fiddle with that after I finish this music video project that I've been working on. I'm going to be fiddling with that and putting that out on the channel. So that should be good as well. Um, on Monday, we're having, we have Loki is going to come back for another episode of Pizza Punk live pizza. We have Dr. Loki, ask Dr. Loki. But remember, Dr. Loki's not a doctor, but that's going to be a call in show. So I'm going to throw the link out. And if you want to call, if you want to come on the show and say a couple words, ask Loki for some life advice, he'll provide it for you. Again, I don't know if you want to take life advice from Loki. Um, I didn't say it was good advice. I just said it was Loki's advice. So <laughs> be aware of that. Um, what else? And yesterday we had a wonderful live Pizza Punk episode with Josh Grove of RiotStickers.com, the sponsor for our channel. And he talked talked to us a little bit about the history of Riot Stickers, why he started Riot Stickers, um, talked about his band, The Villians. I suggest you go check out that episode as well as checking out RiotStickers.com. As you can see right here, go to RiotStickers.com. We have a special promotion. We'll be talking about that in a little bit later on. Um, what else can I tell you? Is there anything else? Any other news that we have? Like, what's going on? What's going on in the world? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Jagger says that he loved the last time that Loki was on. That was a marathon episode. Robbie was on that episode. We had Joe. Joe Pasta was on that episode. Joey Pasta. He, we, um, we, we talked for about five hours. Uh, Howie Wowie from Nimvind was on that show. That was really cool. We had a good time. We had a really, really good time. So, so there's that. Um, I, I guess with with all that out of the way, let's. We should really launch into the meat of our episode, which is we're continuing. It, uh, we're, we're talking about Jerry only today, kids. Again, yeah, for the kids, for the kids. Um, today's we're, we're we're looking at the next two pages of this Jerry only spread in Maximum Rock and Roll from 1995. Uh, a very interesting point of view that's different from that ugly things number 12 that we were talking about. We got Walter White from New Zealand is in the house. What's going on, Walter? How's your summer down in New Zealand? I hope it's well. And um, yeah, so we're going to take a look at that. Let's see if this thing loaded. As you could tell, if I wasn't stalling, there it is. We got it. I think we have to go to page 83. Psycho 83, 12 o'clock, don't be late. Whoa, this horror business, my mirrors are black for you. Okay, you don't go in the bathroom with me or with you. I'll put a knife right in you. I'm warning you. I'll put a knife right in you. Whoa, Walter says it's hot as hell, mate down in new zealand i'm a little jealous man i want to make it down there someday i i mean i doubt i ever will but man that would be a great that'd be a great family trip just to go down there 
Um, so let's let's pick off with the pick up with the last question. So again, Jerry only 1995 maximum rock and roll. This is two years after he gives the ugly things interview. He ha- he is now fully back. You know, slinging misfits. They're coming up on the 20th anniversary of the misfits, like they never left. You know, like they never left because Jerry loved celebrating those anniversaries. When he when he came back with that band name, he loved it. He was like, "Oh yeah, twenty years, twenty five years, thirty years, thirty five years, forty years, thirty five years." Uh, and you know, in later interviews, you hear Jerry talking about how he wants to go and he wants the band to go to fifty years. You know, and then maybe he'll hand it off to his son or whatever. I love Jerry's. Um, you know, Jerry always just wanted to carry on. Uh, I, I don't think that would happen now. I think that when whenever they call it kaput with the original misfits hopefully that will be the end of things and they can move on to other things i I want jerry only to release a solo album it's just jerry only i think he would i think that would he would benefit greatly from just doing that writing writing the wave of respect from doing the original message a lot of people have more respect for jerry than they did in the past when he was just doing it by himself they like you know a lot of people sort of reaffirmed why jerry was important to the band seeing him up there with Glenn. I mean, he's providing wonderful backing vocals for Glenn. And he's part of, the, you know, he's doing his stage slides, you know, he's doing his power slide thing. You know, he adds, he adds a lot. He adds a lot to the show. So, you know, um, but here the year is 1995 and he's Jerry only again, he's not Mo the great. And he's, he's happy to be talking about the, the great things that the misfits are, are going to be doing sooner than later, later than sooner. So, Let's share our screen like this is a class class. Turn your maximum rock and roll issue to page 82, please. Page 82. Here we go. Ba-boom. There it is. Okay. Okay. Hey, now. Hey, now. So we'll start with this question. Maximum rock and roll asks, All the guys and gals wanted me to ask you about that one and only time the Misfits played in San Francisco. Jerry goes, oh, we were here before that. Uh, Editorial, Misfits played San Francisco twice in 1981. The first one was a poorly attended show at the On Broadway, upstairs from a a Black Flag show at the Mambuhe Gardens, which is where Black Flag and the Misfits met for the first time. The opening act was a showing of the little-known film Plan 9 from Outer Space. As the film ended, the band literally, literally burst through the screen as they launched into their set. Henry Rollins came on stage and joined the band in an encore of We Are 138. We talked about this last time. And, you know, that was that would go on Eve Alive. A day later, the Misfits sold out Sound of Music, playing with Toxic Reasons and Pope. So now we're moving on to the next page. So we're going to cover two pages and we'll call it kaputty i don't know what you know now i remember this thing continued on and it was like a weird sort of weird continuance um he's uh, jerry only is continuing from somewhere i don't know where the the looks like we're missing something here i don't know where this is from he says he says i'm not i'm not saying the misfits should ah crap i'm not saying the misfits shouldn't have been thrash oriented in the future i'm just saying that Later releases of that nature should have been much more thought out, much more involved with the progression of the Walk Among Us stuff, which to me was it, with an exclamation point, no less. We had arrived once we did Three Hits from Hell. That's the best 45 on the planet. It has the right look, the right sound, the right feel. It's your black and white B-movie from the 50s with an 80s-type beat. 
Maximum Rock and Roll asks, what about the Misfits compilation thing, Legacy of Brutality, that came out on Caroline? Jerry only says, that's an abortion. The Misfits had a distinct, had distinct, oh, this is cool. This is actually really cool. He says, he says, the Misfits had distinct eras. Tyrannosaurus Rex did not eat the, uh, did not eat the diamond. Wow, Jerry only really knows his dinosaurs. I don't know what these dinosaurs are. Oh, I know what a T-Rex is, but did not eat the diamond. Tr- uh, the Dimatraden because they didn't live in the same million year span. We have our own eras. The Static Age era had Mr. Jim on drums and Franche Coma playing guitar. That was one era. Then after that, you had Googie and Doyle era, which is Walk Among Us. Then you had the Doyle and Robo era, which is Earth AD. So it was pretty much based upon drummers, which is not a very good way to substantiate different points of origin of origin on, but that's pretty much uh, what ended up happening. When Glenn went to deal with Caroline, he he just took enough stuff to fill up a CD and really put no thought whatsoever into packaging. It was just like, let's get another Misfits release and put it out on the counter. The last one sold so good. Let's put out another one. It's a shame because out of all the bands in the world, we've got a soap opera as far as band members and and things that happened in our career to take things out of context in our band is like really making a mess out of everything. I mean, you can't put it back together, but I mean, that's kind of what he's doing by calling himself the misfits in 1995. He says, I would, I would have never put that album out in the way that it was. It has good songs, but it has no thought behind it. It's an abortion of misfits stuff. Uh, all stuffed into one can. Don't buy it. So even Jerry kind of like back then, you know, this isn't some hot take that the Misfits are like, you know, he calls it different eras. I said, you know, the Misfits are like four or five different bands in one. But Jerry said, you know, Jerry, Jerry sees it that way as well, uh, all the way back in 1995. So, you know, I guess it makes sense. I'm definitely going to sneeze in like one microsecond and he's going to interrupt this broadcast. I can tell. Oh, I don't know what that means. I, You know, it's funny. I set up this thing. It says Coley. I don't know if that was a donation or if that was a sub, uh, subscriber, but I just set up these new alerts and it just went off. So whatever that was, Coley, I can't see what it is, but thank you so much for your support, whether it's a subscription or a donation, all of which are welcome. Uh, those are the best ways to support the continuation of this channel. So thank you, Coley, uh, truly. It's a cool little alert thing that that I have turned on now. Um, Maxim, but that's interesting. That's interesting that Jerry Jerry thinks in that kind of way. Uh, is there anything else? Oh, sorry. This is tough to uh, negotiate a little bit here. Uh, Maximum Rock and Roll asks... When the Misfits started playing again, when the Misfits start, because the Misfits haven't, I guess the Misfits haven't started playing, uh, playing together again. When the Misfits start playing again, is there a chance of getting Glenn back? Jerry only says, for those of you out there who are big Danzig fans, we asked him if he wanted to sing for our band, and he said he wasn't interested. We gave the guy the option to jump back in and be friends and let bygones be bygones music shouldn't be based around money or politics music should be a bunch of people that really do great songs together doing them together for the pursuit of having a good time 
We offered him this back. He's very happy in his world, I would imagine. What happened was um, Jonathan Grimm, Tank, Jerry, and Doyle, and I think Kenny, went to Glenn Danzig's hotel room, wherever he was staying at the time, and they all had Doyle do it. They had Doyle... They they because Doyle was the one that was liked that or I guess Doyle was was liked the best by Glenn at that time or something like that, and he goes they they pushed him to go and knock on Glenn's door so so Doyle went by himself, he knocked on Glenn's door to ask him and Glenn never answered I think it was there was a it was a bodyguard or something that either turned him away or security came or something. And turned away. I don't know if they were decked out in their misfits gear or not. I really should. You know, we're supposed to have Tank on the show. And have to, that's something I would ask him about. That's going to be a stellar monumental episode. So make sure you stay tuned. I'm going to actually have to call him and see what is up with that. Robbie says, uh, you notice Glenn Live always mentions this song's from Legacy of Brutality, Never Static Age. It's interesting. That's probably because... Maybe in his mind, Static Age was never an official release. That was a Jerry-only release. So he only thinks of it as Legacy of Brutality. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. That's what I imagine, though. Maybe maybe that could be the reason why he's like that. Uh, Maximum Rock and Roll asks, so what's the new lineup? Jerry only says, we're in contact with Dave Vanian from The Damned right now, who may wind up being our singer. So how about that? So here you go. This is why, and we know we, this is a tidbit that's kind of been put out put out there already. But what's, what's interesting is, so it's 1995, Michael Graves is, is somewhere in, you know, in the mix, but he's not the singer yet. In fact, as we learned from John, Voice of Doom, and the other John of Steel, the Johns of Doom, collectively who both tried out for the new misfits you know michael graves was a guy who's like you know kind of like hanging around waiting waiting in the wings sitting on amps you know uh, and and you know just sort of like there but not really necessarily he's not in the spot he's he doesn't have the spot yet in fact as john's john of steel says he he even tried out for electric frankenstein as the singer how about that for those of you, you guys should check out that john Steele episode it's really great Apparently, Michael Graves, you know, tried out to be the singer for Electric Frankenstein. He didn't get it. But it would end up being, you know, Peter Steele that was like ultimately said to Jerry, like, hey, like, there's no point in me learning these songs. The kid, this kid knows how to sing them. Let him do it. Make him the guy. But it was like it was almost like they were always like, OK, you're in unless we can find somebody better. And they waited almost a year before they finally, you know, just said, all right, let's go. Let's go out and be the misfits with this guy, with this guy, Michael Graves as the singer. Um, so I've kind of heard that from multiple places now, all all over the place. Um, Jagger says here, I imagine the whole thing about sending Doyle to Glenn's hotel felt like sending the kid of a divorce as the messenger between two separate parents you know, for me, I imagine it as like the Sandlot. You know, they need to get the baseball out of James Earl Jones' yard, and they like send Doyle to go and like confront the junkyard dog, like the the Saint Bernard or whatever. Um, and they're like, it's like they draw stuff. Like, no, you do it, Doyle. He likes you best. You know that kind of thing. 
Um, you know, it's funny, the gore editor who likes to do Misfits comics, that would be a good idea for a Misfits comic, actually. I should I should message him and tell him to do that one. That that would be really funny. I feel like there's, there's the great opportunity, because his comics are based... Uh, um, obviously on like in like reality or whatnot, like, or the reality of the story, but he always tries to add a little bit of humor to his comic comics. So it'd be kind of funny to see him like, uh, try and do the, the, the Doyle story. We have Ace, Ace Van John, Ace, sorry, Ace Von Johnson. Sorry. My bad. Would love to see what Vanian would have done with those Danzig era songs. I think, I mean, it would have been cool. It would have been cool. Hey, Glenn wrote a song for Dave Vanian to sing. It's called Archangel. You could imagine the damned doing Archangel. It's not too far of a stretch to imagine Dave Vanian doing, you know, Misfits era, you know, Danzig era songs. What what let's let's play this game for a second. Ace uh, Ace brings up a good point here. Let's play a game for a split second. What misfit songs i mean this is what we do right <laughs> what misfit songs let's think of 10 misfit songs that vanian would just crush with his voice trying to think about that yes joe this is live we got joey pasta in this piece right now joe we're thinking of 10 danzig era misfit songs that that vanian would crush Okay, Jagger says London Dungeon. I'll 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 agree with that. I can imagine. I wish I had a good Vanian impression. Otherwise, I'd try and sing it. I just can't imagine Vanian. Sing. I guess I could. They call us Walking Corpse. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to even attempt. It's too embarrassing. Um, and we all know I don't like to embarrass myself on the show ever. I guess I would. I, I guess Astro Zombies. Attitude. For sure, Attitude. Okay, Attitude, London Dungeon, Astro Zombies. Nothing from Earth AD. I think we would steer clear of the Earth AD stuff. Um, Ghoul's Night Out. I'd love to hear it. Okay, okay. New, new musical challenge. Not necessarily for I Misanthrope, but like... Who wants to do some uh, misfit songs in the style of like the damned or with Dave Vanian singing? That would that would be interesting. Yeah, Rue says attitude. Joe is gonna sit this one out. Okay, Joe. Joe wants to sit this one out. Um, Droid says I remember this talk of Dave back in the day. I love Vanian and the Damn, but I'm kind of glad he didn't take it. You know, what's funny though is. Like he, they, they've been asked about it. I believe one time, at least you could find one example of them being asked about it on YouTube. And believe me, I looked for plenty of examples for when I was, you know, doing some editing stuff and, um, <laughs> and Vanian doesn't like to talk about it at all. He, they don't really like to, they don't like to talk about it. Yes, absolutely. Last caress, uh, Dave Vanian doing last caress would be great. So we have last caress. We have attitude. We have um, maybe American Nightmare, London Dungeon. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to hear him do Archangel. But man, I just, I, I just, I could just totally. I'm. It's so, it's so like 
it's kind of like it's easy to hear it in my head i just don't i just wouldn't want to try and like imitate it and sing it i can totally hear vanian doing oh yeah definitely come back agreed definitely come back um angel fuck yeah horror hotel too are we just gonna say like every song <laughs> return of the fly <laughs> return of the fly kind of like uh plan nine what's that plan nine song that they have um, the Damned. I'm not terribly well-versed on The Damned as I would maybe want to be. I do love Machine Gun Etiquette. It's a great thing. Yeah, In the Doorway for sure. I mean, there's a lot of... I feel like there's a lot of songs that Vanian would do justice. But, man, I, I would really like to hear him do... I, I think Angel Fuck would be very interesting. And I think Attitude would be would be a no-brainer for him. Um, she could work. She could work for sure. Yeah, Ace, you can't do, you absolutely, it couldn't be Earth AD material. That's not Vanian's style at all, right? It has to be more gothic or it has to be something that could be transformed into um, something gothic, you know? not You know, it's funny, not all of Static Age because I wouldn't give Bullet to Vanian at all. I'd give him Teenagers to Mars. I'd give him Horror Business. I mean, there. I would say most of the Misfits catalog would fit, apart from Earth AD, apart from hmm, Bullet. No way, no Bullet. Um, I wouldn't give him Mommy. Mommy, can I go out and kill tonight? No way. Uh, we bite. No way. Those are. He could do die 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 my darling. I think could work. I I just want to hear somebody who can do a great Vanian imitation now cover a whole bunch of misfit songs that thank you it's called the the damn song that i'm thinking of is plan nine channel seven that is a that's a fun one that's a fun song right there but um yeah it's fun to imagine these it's fun to imagine these kind of things um doyle was never blown away by michael's singing jerry made the decision to hire graves yeah I've read that too. I've I've heard Doyle talk about that in interviews as well. Mostly after his association with Graves. I'm sure in the I mean those guys I guess, you know, eventually became very good friends and very tight. And on some level Doyle did embrace Michael Graves. Michael Graves was going to sing for Gorgeous Frankenstein. So, you know, um but that's also maybe at a time where where Doyle was kind of lost and not really sure how to proceed with his new project and kind of thinking yeah michael graves right that makes sense you know um as he would ultimately use uh chud chud for for gorgeous frankenstein yeah ace i agree man plan nine channel seven great great guitar work i really like that song it's a good song really fun song even though i didn't remember the full name of it um yeah, Machine Gun Etiquette. Uh, what's the gothic one with um, Jekyll and Hyde and uh, Fiendish, something Fiendish from the 80s, The Damned? Oh, Phantasmagoria. That is a really good album. Strawberries is good too. But um, Phantasmagoria and Machine Gun Etiquette, those are two just solid. Obviously, Damn, Damn, Damned is good. Grimly. Thank you. Grimly Fiendish. Fiendish. 
that's a really great song they really got into the the like the organ the clavicle organ in the 80s the damn did they just loved they love doing that they love doing that ding 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 ding, ding. that's not how an organ sounds but you know you, you know what i'm saying um let's let's read on shall we let's read on so so what's with the new lineup? We're in contact with Dave Vanian from The Damned right now who may wind up being our singer. So we're trying to put together this main front and get our music back in line. He kind of fits everything we're looking for. Me and Doyle, we've got a drummer named Dr. Chud. He's from Lodi, New Jersey. He's an old stand-in. We're gonna... Oh, sorry. Um, we're gonna blah, 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 blah. we're gonna see how Chud, Doctor Chud, meshes once Vanian joins the band, and if we need a different drummer, we'll consider. But up till now, we're going with that lineup. So even, I mean, Jerry is known to like talk from the side of his mouth or shoot from the hip when he t- talks in interviews. But it sounds like he was. They weren't even sure about Chud at that point. Chud was, you know, around helping them do engineering stuff and recording stuff and and this, that, and the other. But Chud was like, Chud was in bands that were not, you know, he wasn't into the horror thing. That was, that came with the misfits. He was anything but. And I've heard people that went to Lodi High School with Chud talk about how he was not, he thought that stuff was ridiculous. He thought punk was ridiculous. All that stuff. When they were in high school, he's in the same graduating class as Erie Vaughn and Doyle and Steve Zing. They all, they all graduated the same year in 82. And, you know, Chud was like, uh, he was like a jock. He was like a, a, a jock. Yeah. Robbie knows Chud was in hair bands, dude. He, he was in, he was in hair bands. He didn't care. He, he's such a, he's such like, he, he, he didn't care about punk. So, you know, that so but that's interesting how even chud is not a permanent member of the lineup in jerry's mind as late as 1995 at least in this interview from what it seems maximum rock and roll says can we look for some new material soon and jerry says yeah as a matter of fact caroline is putting out the static age album expected to be part of a cd box set in february 96 and released on its own later in the year on both vinyl and CD. Wow. So they were going to, um, oh no, he's talking about static age. I thought he meant the box that was going to be on vinyl. That would have been really cool. That's an, that would be a neat reissue, right? Um, Ace, I have definitely listened to the black album. I like the black album, but I like phantasmagoria and strawberries a little bit more. I've I've pretty much listened all the way through through all the damned albums through I think strawberries. I don't and, and no that's not true. I've also listened to uh Grave Disorder from two thousand one and the new album with uh Standing on the Edge of Tomorrow, which is probably the best song, the strongest song on that. Um so he's talking about static age coming out. Droid here says, most eras of the damned are good. They don't have many records that I avoid. Interesting. And then there was that weird time in the 90s where where Dave Vanian was kind of doing, um, what's it called? He was calling himself the Phantom Courts. It was a different band. Different. Uh, it wasn't the damned. But he was playing with a different band. Um, 
for people who have the Legacy of Brutality album and say, well, I've heard that stuff on Legacy. Well, Glenn re-records. So he's talking about how Static Age is different. And at this time, you know, if you're a casual fan of the Misfits and you don't really, if you're not well-versed in their discography in the year 1995, this is a revelation to you as you're reading this in Maximum Rock and Roll going, holy crap. There's a lost or there's a mistress album called Static Age. How cool is that? And Jerry's explaining here for those of you, uh, he says, well, Glenn re-recorded my bass on that stuff. It's our biggest seller, maybe because Glenn is on bass. I don't know. Ha 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 ha. So Jerry says that Legacy of Brutality is actually the biggest seller. And he might know because he was tracking all those albums for the royalties and stuff for the lawsuits. Um, there should be a box set of of he says there should be a box set of five of the original Plan 945s, Bullet, Horror Business, Night of the Living Dead, Halloween, and Three Hits from Hell. It's all coming back out. So he's claiming there's going to be a box set of 45s. We've heard about a box set of 45s in the late 80s called Enter at Your Own Risk, and we even talked about it on another on another show. So who knows? Crazy white boy, we haven't seen you for a while, my friend. How are you? I hope you're well. Hope you're well. All you guys know each other. You know who we haven't seen in a while? Chris. Chris Corkum. It was his birthday. Happy birthday, Chris. Hey, mom. Mom is in the house. What's going on, mom? Longoria. Jagger says, it's a shame Glenn didn't come back then. That would have been amazing to have him sing the Static Age album. Then when it was finally released and new, it would be, it would be cool. It would be cool. Glenn was on a different trip by that point. It's all coming. So, so Jerry's talking about a box set of plan 945s and that they're all coming back out. We took a lot of different thoughts from the bootlegs we've been buying from our lawsuit, which was a while back. We showed them to Caroline and they figured, let's go with the old Plan 9 stuff. I mean, that would have been such a cool move. Could you imagine, like, limited edition box sets? Like, limited, you know, they only did 138 box sets. They'd be so stellar. Uh, Maximum Rock and Roll asks, how was it getting the Misfits name? Jerry only says, it was a struggle. We got dragged through a system, and we got burned by crooked lawyers. Because they had a, before they had the lawyer that, that they went with for the lawsuit, they had another lawyer, and he was not a good lawyer for them, and they fired him. They fired him. Dagger wants some Robbie Bloodshed vinyl. Robbie, he's working on it. Rob, Robbie's got a lot of uh, irons in the fire this year. Um, Yeah, so they had a crooked lawyer, and the list goes on and on. But what really winds up going on is if you really want something, you just hang with it. We wanted our name, and that was the main important thing, and we got it. And now we think our future's ahead and not behind. Whereas Glenn is now Danzig, so his future with the Misfits is behind. He just wants the publishing. And Jerry and, by proxy, Doyle, they just want to go out and play as the Misfits. And, you know, um, you know, as far as splits go, it's not a bad split. Um, he keeps the publishing, and he gets the name and the, the, the song, the, the writing and recording under the name Misfits. It's not, I mean, we don't really, again... We talk about how it was a mistake in retrospect endlessly on the channel. Oh, brand confusion, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if you're settling in a lawsuit, it's not a bad split, right? At least at that time. Um, so, 
We wanted our name, and that was the main thing, and we got it now, and we think our future's ahead and not behind. Maximum Rock and Roll asks, and how did Glenn Danzig feel about that? And Jerry only says, well, he wasn't very happy about that. Ha, 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 ha. Um, Maximum Rock and Roll asks, and that was most of the trouble in getting the name back. Jerry only says, well, yeah. The thing was, Caroline and Glenn were out there running with it, and had, and we had no input on our own stuff. You don't want to be a musician, have people putting out your records and designing stuff for you and not promoting you or making you look like you feel you should. And that's going to change. We're going to have a whole new catalog coming out. Don't buy bootlegs. Save your stuff. Everything's coming back up. Maximum Rock and Roll asks all the stuff. We should see that pretty soon in stores. Jerry only says it's coming. The first new release is a compilation due out on 11-7-95. That would be Misfits Collection 2. Five or six of those songs are re-recorded with Erie Vaughn on the drums. Does that make Erie Vaughn the last Misfits drummer? I don't know. I truly don't know. And the song we've talked about, the song Mephisto Waltz, not a Misfits song, technically. Maybe. More of a Sam Haynes song than a Misfits song. Um... Maximum Rock and Roll says, what about the lawsuit and the bootlegs and getting the Misfits name again, dot, dot, dot. Uh, Jerry only says, well, we felt that it was our main concern in, what? Blech. All right. So this is what's annoying about the stupid interview is that there's no, it's like weird. Why does that happen? I don't understand. Let's go to this other one for a minute. I'm going to take a small little, small little detour here. And while we're in a small little detour, we might as well take a quick moment. Well, that was our main concern, right? Sorry, I'm getting all lost up in this piece. That was our main concern. Yeah, that, okay, that, that is bizarre. That is bizarre. It just randomly cuts off and then just starts somewhere else. So now... They're talking about Bobby gets stuck in his coffin. What are we going to do? Uh, time out and dump the coffin out. He's talking about why they kicked out Bobby Steele and dump <laughs> and dump the coffin out on the ground and pull, pull him out. In the later years, I heard Bobby set up the same prop just to prove he could do it. I think Bobby should just be very thankful he was in the Misfits and can go around saying that he was. And in my opinion, that's the extent of Bobby's hype. I don't want to take nothing away from Bobby, but at the same time, I don't want to have to deal with him. He just doesn't bring anything to the table for us. If anything, he made us play less than what we were. Let's take a quick. Let us take a quick commercial break. Do you need stickers? Because the Frumish channel is powered by RiotStickers.com. As you can see right here, we had Riot Stickers um, CEO mr josh grove on the channel yesterday to talk about his company as well as his bands and what it what it is to you know print merch print up merch and stickers and stuff for bands and um oh here he is now look at him look at him he's setting fires in the chat he's setting the chat on fire now we had a great talk and um one of the things we talked about was the promotion that we're running for riotstickers.com that's coming up right now in the little ticker tape parade down below you see it 
Look at this. It's a nice deal for your band. For $29.50, you're going to get 50 three-inch by three-inch vinyl stickers at riotstickers.com. If you go into the description of this video, you're going to see the link. You click directly on that link, and you use the promo code from us to get 50% off, okay? You're not going to find a better deal on stickers. It's so affordable. It's normally $59. Go check it out. Go. Go on Google. See if you can find a better deal than that. I don't think you can. And, you know, some of those leading competitors, allegedly, allegedly, that the stickers don't stick too well. You know, I've I've ordered from Riot, Riot Stickers in the past, and I got to tell you, I loved the stickers that I got. They stuck when you stuck them onto stuff, and they were shiny and glossy and wonderful. Video business media stickers. That's what I used. I used RiotStickers.com. And, you know, there's a whole video about it. You know, there's a there's a video The guy from Less Than Jake. He did this song. What song are you talking about, Jeff? Well, let me tell you. Let me play it for you. Okay, so there you go. So go use that promo code. Link in the description. Riotstickers.com. Remember what I said. 50. Three inch by three inch stickers for $29.50. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming uh, right here. Maximum Rock and Roll asks, Mike mentioned in his magazine, Mike is the guy, Mike Stacks from Ugly Things 12. Remember the the career-spanning interview we were referring to says says that um, you guys had gone through kind of a, a spinal tap situation with drummers. And Jerry says, well, the thing with a drummer is it's not so bad in the studio having a drummer who has problems playing the drums. It's a live situation. You really cannot be looking over your shoulder or looking for the drummer to come across. You're either there or you're not. And in our case, when we play live, the drummer's got to lock me and Doyle down because we're both so loud that if Doyle's amp goes out, I don't even know it. Black Flag left Robo flat. We scooped him up. Robo was good, I guess, but he wasn't the best drummer for us. I think Googie was the best drummer we had by far. Maximum Rock and Roll asks, uh, wasn't the Misfits breakup caused by problems between Googie and Glenn? Jerry only says, in the end, I found out that Glenn was right. Googie drives everybody up the wall. But at the time, Robo had quit the band because him and Glenn were fighting. And you know why they were fighting. 
because Glenn was because Robo was living in Glenn's house and Glenn was making him fold seven inches. At least that's what Jerry said in the Ugly Things interview. He's like mad that Robo is like freeloading in his house. So he's like, you got to you got to earn your keep <laughs> like making him like fold like seven inches. It was like, Glenn, I'm gluing them as fast as I can. <laughs> Talk about comics, man. Like that would just be so friggin' funny, dude. Just to see a comic like that as well. Um, so he says, Robo had quit the band because him and Glenn were fighting and we had a show in Detroit and we had a tour of Germany lined up for Earth AD. In the States, we weren't making very much money, but Germany had offered us a big paycheck, like $2,000 every night for like 12 nights and 18 days. All right, so this is crazy. I I, 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 I don't know if Jerry's exaggerating the money here or not. $2,000 for a punk band for you know 12 nights that's that's twenty four thousand dollars and if you recall in the ugly things magazine he talks about how he has to work three weeks on top of three weeks just just so that they could be ready to leave for for that germany tour and not like you know fall behind on work but i mean twenty four thousand dollars i feel like i feel like i don't know Something's not adding up here. So Plan 9 needed the money, and we needed to go to Germany to get this money to put out Earth AD. Nobody nobody in the States wanted to put it out. We found aggressive rock in Germany to put it out. So Robo splits a month before we're supposed to go to Germany. So I called up Googie and explained the situation and told him we had five or six new songs, which I could teach him in two weeks. And he said, okay, but I want to get paid. And I think that was the chime that struck terror in the hearts of men because Glenn refused and said he'd rather quit the band than play with Googie. I said, if I'm going to Germany, I'd have to do a month's work in a machine shop. So, so that's what he's talking about, you know, picking up the slack. So he would have to break in a drummer from scratch, learning 35 new songs or 35 songs. So basically if they're going to Germany, Jer Jerry can't break in the drummer. And what do you mean? And you know, essentially this is where Jerry is kind of like, as we've said in the past, from a musical standpoint, I'm not talking about the leader of the band, but he is the band leader. Right. Isn't that what the band leader does in a band musically from a musical perspective? Like you lead the instruments or whatever. He is he's the he's rehearsing the band. It's not Glenn who's rehearsing the band, at least according to Jerry. So so he's telling Glenn, you have to break in the you have to break in the drummer from scratch learning 35 songs. So he picked a kid because of the way he had had his haircut. And that's Brian Damage. We covered Brian Damage's. Um, uh, AKA Brian Keats, who's no longer with us. We covered his time in the band thoroughly, thoroughly on this channel. Go check out the Misfits Last Show episode. It's a really good episode that talks, uh, that we hear Brian's point of view and perspective, you know. Um, Dagger says he read this article in the bookstore when it came out. Mr. Jim is my personal favorite but honestly all the drummers were perfect from their for their respective eras ace van johnson says von johnson sorry i'm so bad with that um seems he was acting as the musical director more or less exactly dude that's what i'm saying it was a music band leader musical director that's what i mean the guy who's the guy who's leading the band you know like leading the 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 the, the instruments like like, like, you know, if you're counting off, like a one, a two, a one, two, three, you know, that's, that's what I mean by that. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I think like, 
I think that um, I don't know. It's I just find it. I just find it in that that part of the dynamic is very interesting. You know, <laughs> he says. Now I don't know how you choose drummers around here, but we try not to look at the hair before we hear how they play the kit. And the thing was, Brian Keats. And again, talked about this thoroughly in the last show episode. That's one of my favorite episodes we've done on the channel, by the way. You must check that out if you've not seen that episode. You can find it. Um, Brian Keats was a very accomplished drummer and played in a lot of different bands before and after the missions. And what's really sad is, as as you know, for such a big, varied career as Brian had, the one thing he seems to be known for is that he was in the Misfits for literally two songs at, during the last show or whatever, 10 songs in the last show. So it's kind of sad that his whole career got boiled down to that. Rest in peace to Brian. Um, He says, I don't know about how you choose drummers around here, but we try not to look at their hair before we hear how they play the kit. Halloween was coming and the Necros, a band from Detroit, booked us a show there. And they went out in the freezing cold and hung up flyers for our show. The kid bombed out. I got totally disgusted because we wasted two of the four weeks before going to Germany. We looked like a bunch of jerks in Detroit. It's one show. I was willing to swallow it and go back to Googie, but Glenn refused even after what happened. So that's interesting. So at some point, if you believe what's being said here, okay, here's a little hot take. I don't know if this is quite a hot take, but at some point on the way back to Lodi from Detroit, or maybe even after that, uh jerry proposed or you know jerry was willing to swallow it as he says here and go back to googie but glenn refused even after what had happened so that means that either happened on the way back from detroit to new to new jersey or that somewhere in in the fall or winter of 83 when glenn is trying to put sam hain together jerry has contacted glenn and said hey Let's get Googie for that tour. Now, what we do know because of Tanner, shout out to Tanner for having this, the Misfits, in addition to the Germany tour, had local shows booked with advertisements taken out in magazines. How do we know that? Because Tanner has them. He actually has the freaking clip magazines. So we know that the Misfits were not, that it was not intended for that to be their last show. You know, whether it was in Glenn's mind or not, Glenn was still booking shows as the Misfits, okay? And from that tour to the local shows. So it's interesting how that really just sort of, that just sort of, you know, disintegrated the band. But there was more on the books, you know? Um, Ace Von Johnson says, it's pretty normal to have one member who delegates stuff like usually considered the, the musical director doesn't necessarily make them the boss or the main songwriter, just the trusted leader within the band. Exactly. That's what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. Glenn was clearly the boss or the main songwriter or whatever, the front man, but it's Jerry who's delegating this stuff, you know? Uh, it's Jerry, frankly, who probably had a helping in some arrangement stuff too. Supposedly, that's what Jerry was really good at. He was really good at arranging stuff. Um, And... A says here, usually under the lead singer-songer. So there you go. Uh, the great Danton says, if the Misfits had played Germany, no doubt they would have stuck around at least a couple more years, and we'd have a very different history of the band. I'm sure they would have stuck around longer. 
for for how long who knows i think as long as like like stuff was rolling stuff was happening glenn probably would have just stuck stuck it out right uh no matter how how frustrating things had gotten by that point but that's an interesting thing that this is why i love reading these old interviews even if we hear the same like stories over and over again you usually hear like a couple of sentences that don't fit in with something that you thought you understood like you thought you understand this this way and then there's something in in the material that goes whoa okay so did they talk and we don't know i don't know if they talked after load after they got back to lodi from that last detroit show supposedly i mean the story goes that they never talked again that was it they stopped talking to each other but maybe jerry left him an answering message on glenn's answering machine never got back to him maybe that's what jerry's talking about who knows i mean both things could be true um so he says i was willing to swallow it and go back to googie but glenn refused even after what happened that's when i knew the ego thing was bigger than the music and no one should be bigger than the music we kind of sat back and said, well, hey, look, if people's personal problems are bigger than what the band needs to do, then it's a total problem. Uh, it's a total problem here, you know, because the band always came first because it was a band and it was a unit. Me and Doyle used to practice. You know what I hate about these articles? I'm, you know where I just read that from? Right next to this photograph. See this little block of text? I don't know if you can see my mouse on the screen. It's like a column, the way the text is broken up. That old school sort of, um, that old school sort of uh, text. Um, so used to practice, me and Duel used to practice with a drummer in our garage and we didn't have a good PA and it was cold. We used to practice in sub-zero temperatures and we would practice for hours. We understand, okay, Glenn can't come down and sing because it's freezing. Our point was, look, so that's what I mean. So Glenn's not there for practice, but Jerry's still out there with the band running through the songs. As Ace is saying, that's musical director, right? Maybe you wouldn't call it the band leader, musical director. I, I think that works. That's a good, that's a good label. Um, our point was, Look, we played with the drummer in the freezing cold who plays drums. Ugh. Who plays drums should really be our decision. Meaning that if Glenn's not even running rehearsals, that like Jerry's running rehearsals, Jerry should have the, Jerry should have the, what's it called? Um, it should be at Jerry's uh, discretion, right? On some level. Um, so he's saying, look, our point was that we, we, we uh, was, look, sorry, I'm just, totally not reading this right large swaths of text trying to trying to um find my place our point was look we play with the drummer in the freezing cold who plays with the drums should really be our who plays the drums should really be our decision and it shouldn't be based on who you can get along with and who you can't get along with it should be based upon who can do the job and who can't do the job we were in a position that Every time Glenn had a problem with somebody, he was going to sell out the band and our music was going to suffer. And if our music was going to suffer, then it really wasn't worth doing. So, you know, Jerry's trying to paint a picture in this 1995 interview. He's told us, okay, Glenn had a problem with Googie and Googie's out of the band. Glenn had a problem with Robo. Robo's out of the band. 
Glenn got this guy brain damage and brain damage washed out. So it's like they can't, they're having problems keeping drummers. They're using Todd Swalla to fill in on drums because Todd, frankly, they should have just gotten Todd Swalla on drums too. If you didn't get Erie Vaughn, if you didn't get Steve Zing, why not get Todd Swalla to just, and then the Necros and the Misfits are going out as a package anyway. So they're sharing a drummer. I mean, bands do that sometimes, you know? Um, Let's look at some of these comments. Ace says, I think a huge part of the mystique of the original Misfits, at least in the early 90s, was the fact that they broke up and had only played so many shows, mostly small gigs. That combined with dot, dot, dot. Um, Jagger says, the what-ifs are endless. I'd imagine... If they'd stuck around another year or two, we'd probably would have gotten an album far more in the realm of Sam Hain. Very true, but with the aggression of Earth AD, maybe. And if you guys want to hear what that might have sounded like, go check out last last week's episode where we played a, a, a set of cover songs where the Sam Hain songs are covered like Earth AD songs. And the Earth AD songs are covered like Sam Hain songs. This guy actually did it. And it's friggin' he really pulled it off. Did a great job. Um, Ace says, uh, Met and GNR, I think he's covering, Met and GNR, covering them, plus skateboard culture, definitely launched them into this cult. Oh, Metallica, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so hold on. Let me, let me, let me take it back here because this is a, this is a compound comment. Um, so, so I think a huge part of the mystique of the, this is Ace's saying, I think a huge part of the mystique of the original Misfits, at least in the early nineties was the fact that they broke up and had only played so many shows, mostly small gigs that combined with Metallica and Guns N' Roses covering them plus skateboard culture definitely launched them into this cult-like status like a chupacabra or something. No one has ever seen, but you heard about them. Ha ha. Totally true absolutely utterly true man um a says at least that's what i remember pre-reunion before the internet i i think man i think your memory is spot on i, I think that was a that was um if, if you asked me to explain that it probably would have been like a 15 minute you know babbling explanation that was a succinct a succinct explanation in two comments <laughs> um Lord says some bands have bad luck with drummers. Ace concurs. Drummers are the worst. <laughs> um, Carnigans are cool. Asked, didn't Danzig say that Jerry and Doyle could never have played that style of music, meaning Sam Hain? Yeah, of course he said that. You know, I mean, he, whoever. And then he said, and then he slagged the Sam Hain guys when he got Danzig. That's just that's just Glenn's mo. You know, like that's just his. You know, annoy whoever is whoever he's annoyed with. You know, that's the, that's it. Uh, Dagger says Misfits '95 ruined that the mystique. It was great. It was great to see Jerry and Doyle, but Graves was such a, a d bag. Um, Ace says he spent too much time in middle school reading everything in the Misfits Bible repeatedly. Ha ha ha. Yeah, dude. And what what Ace means by the Misfits Bible is the very first generation of digital fiendom you know i think predating or running concurrent with the seventh house which was danzig mind you we're talking about misfits was the misfits bible run by mark kennedy 
And that is what the Misfits Bible was, which was like an email chain that like Bobby Steele was in. And uh, I think Michael Graves was in it as well. Um, yep. Mark Kennedy and Misfit Central. I And I had the pleasure of meeting and interviewing Mark for the, the Lodi project. And it was really cool to talk to him, man, because that was a dude who was like this mysterious name on the internet that I had seen and in my own mind was like was like a legend in his own right for being Mark Kennedy of Misfit Central, which I know sounds like the nerdiest, lamest thing in the world, but it it was true, man. Um, awesome dude. Awesome, awesome dude, Mark Kennedy. He he said the best thing I ever heard about the Misfits. He said the Misfits are like a stoplight. It's no whoa or go just like red yellow and green no whoa go <laughs> i loved it what a what a what a um what what a great way to 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 sum them up where was i in this we got we got lost talking about drummers glenn had a problem with somebody who was going to sell out the band and our music was going to suffer and if our music was going to suffer it wasn't really worth doing the disintegration of the misfits was a shame looking back on it maybe i should have been a little bit more diplomatic about it and not been so hot-headed but my music was suffering when he's saying my music he's talking about the, you know it's glenn's music it's glenn's music that he's you know helping to arrange right like he, it's not his music but my music. I he, I can understand the ownership that he feels towards it. Uh, and I was going to get up in the morning and play music. I, I wasn't going to get up. He's like, he said, <laughs> recalibrate, Jeff. And there was no way I was going to get up in the morning and play music I didn't believe in. Maximum Rock and Roll asks, how did you feel about the band's thrash phase prior to the breakup, referring to Earth AD? Um... The Misfits, Jerry only says, the Misfits should not have f been following cracks in the road. It's not like water running downhill. Just because at the time somebody's going to the left, just because at the time it seems like the right move. If, uh, if that's not where we're going, then who cares? We go where we go. We're out there breaking new ground, breaking new frontiers. That was the main wedge of our band. We were able to bust through solid walls just because of the way we would hit them and do i mean what is he he's talking so abstractly jerry does sometimes the way we would hit him in the air in the past i don't know so that's that's the second page of the interview we're going to stop there everybody um, we're doing two pages at a time. We're trying to make this interview last, okay? Because I get so tired reading the whole friggin' 20-page interview or whatever it is. Um, here, speaking of Tanner, here's Tanner stopping in just to say that Mark Kennedy is the greatest human ever, and we all owe him our firstborn child. He, Tanner is so right. He really is. He really, really is. He's a great dude. Truly a great dude. Um, Mom Longoria says Misfit Central was everything back then. I gotta get Mark on the friggin' show. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hit him up and just be like, Mark, you gotta you gotta come on the show. You gotta you gotta meet all the Misfits nerds that you know uh, are still here. <laughs> He's so out of that world now. It's like not, in, but for a while it was like that was his thing. You know that that was his thing. Um. 
Jeff's addiction says totally agree with Ace's take on the mystique of the misfits in the early nineties, but the success of the band dancing can't be understated and doesn't get enough credit for the popularity of the misfits. Then they both are man. I mean, it's just one, it's one of many factors. It's one of many factors, but yes, Danzig has a huge, has a huge, you know, influence as well. Obviously there's some people though that don't even know that Danzig was the singer of the misfits. We hear that all the friggin' time. If Glenn had come around, Lord says, if Glenn had come around the age now, I could definitely see him in a one-man black metal band. That's totally what <laughs> that's totally what he would be doing. I think. I think. Ace Von Johnson says, Jeff, I agree, but those first two Danzig albums didn't really sell a ton. Danzig didn't really break big until three Thrall four P. So just before then, it was still kind of its own thing, in my opinion. Well, look. I was it was not on my radar back then when it was happening. So I can't I truly can't speak to it in the same way. Maybe you could. Um, but that makes sense. That totally does make sense. Right. Like Thrall is when Misfits 93 comes out and that's when it breaks into the top 40, you know, so it so so Metallica and Guns N' Roses and underground skateboard culture are the engine that's sort of carrying the flame in addition to you know bobby Steele is out there playing those songs and that was like the that was his he stood his ground for a long time as being like hey i carried the misfits flame i was playing those songs when no one else was playing those songs there was a stretch of time besides the songs that danzig will cover you know bobby Steele is the only other dude who's covering those songs because glenn and jerry are trying to do this christ uh christ the conqueror thing um I would absolutely try to get Mark on. I, you know, I have a few different ways I can contact him. Um, if I can get in touch with Mark, let me know. He's gone radio silent in the past two years. I did not know that. I haven't spoken to him in last time I spoke to Mark was about three years ago. So um, I don't know. I'll drop him a line. I'll see. I'll, I'll see it. I'll see what I get. Everybody wants Mark, 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 Mark. I'll, I'll talk to Mark. I'll talk to Mark. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I can't I can't make any promises, um, but that would be, oh, that'd be cool. That would be so cool. I spent a lot of time with Misfit Central back in the 90s. <sighs> I feel like we all come from Misfit Central. Uh, yeah, we'd love that. I was in the Misfits Bible then. I mean, it would be really cool to hear about the history. Ace says, when I was 11 and first got turned on to the Misfits, it was two years before I learned that it was the same singer as Danzig. See, that's on, yeah, I mean, Exactly. Exactly. Um, I didn't make, Jeff says, I didn't make the connection between Danzig and Misfits until 1994. Any chance of getting Bobby? Yeah, I actually spoke to Diana not too long ago, and we talked about them coming on the channel, so hopefully that will happen. I was on a channel with Bobby. I did a whole thing with Bobby not too long ago, and the guy from this um, doom metal or death metal band from Invocation, Incantation or Invocation, uh, this guy John was there too, and it was for this rock fantasy channel. And uh, I had a whole conversation. We had a whole conversational panel with Bobby Steele, and we learned. I learned some cool stuff that day. You should check that out. That's on. That's on YouTube. Actually, it's about a. Uh, it's about ninety minutes of chatting with Bobby Steele uh, on and off. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, shout out to Chris Allo. Chris Chris was the guy who who, who put that all together. 
under the Rock Fantasy banner. Um, so we did do something with Bobby recently. Yeah, Incantation, right. Yeah, John from Incantation, Bobby Steele, uh, Chris Allo, and dude from Rock Fantasy. What is, is this? What is this VOI FYI? Is this, I've seen this in the last two days on the streams. Is this some sort of, I don't know. I feel like this is like a bot. Are you a, are you a robot, Carol? Yeah, that's his name. John, John McKenty. Nice guy. Really, really nice guy. Yeah, I did, we did a panel with him and Bobby Steele. And you can find, oh, let's see if we can find it. All right, all right, hold on. Now that we're now that we're done with this, um, we're gonna try and have a different show next week, and then we'll return to this interview. So we'll kind of do every other week that sort of thing. Hold on, real quick. Let me see if I can find um, the Rock Fantasy episode for you guys. If you want um, to hear some great Bobby Steele stuff, um, I'm not familiar with Incantations music, but I, I see that they have quite the following. So, I mean, that's awesome. They seem like they're going on tour soon, it looks like. Um, so that's cool. Um, yeah, Bobby and Diana are great. We love Bobby and Diana on this channel. Hold on. Let me see if I can find this for you. Guys, it's not... I, I'll be honest. The guy from Rock Fantasy, Steve, he's an awesome guy. I wish he did... His, his his thumbnail is not very um it's not very flashy for for this panel discussion crazy white boy saw the panel he says it was for Halloween I believe I believe in think oh here we go let's see what pops up here here it is it's the it's called the rock fantasy files the misfits round table this was a lot of fun and um, I learned a bunch of stuff. Bobby Steele sort of broke broke down broke broke down a few things. He told he told the lawsuit story with um, Walmart. If you don't know what the the Walmart lawsuit story, it's a great story. There it is. I just put I just put it in the comments for you guys. Go give that a watch. You you will enjoy it. Okay, I'll I'll share it. I'll share it as well in the thing crazy white boy says incantation are great saw them several times over the years that's awesome if you go to this link you can see uh myself and john from incantation and uh, a couple other panel guests along with bobby Steele, do uh talking about talking talking misfits um Carnegie says, what's dumb is I hated the Misfits at first only because a guy I didn't care for in junior high school would wear their shirts. Then, like, two years later, they were one of my favorite bands. I mean, I don't know if it's dumb, man. It's just, that's just, you know, child stuff. You know, like, adolescent adolescent nonsense. We all deal, we all go through that. We all deal with that, right? Chill, <laughs> children and heat. What's up, Shrimp Smoke? Uh-oh. The laundry machine beckons me. Laundry machine beckons me. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask I'm gonna talk to I'm gonna talk to uh, Tank and I'm gonna talk to Mark Kennedy and I'm not gonna make any promises. Well, Tank Tank will be on the show. That that's gonna be a really good episode. He he was with the Misfits '95 from 
1993 or four all the way up till 2008. So that's going to be, we're going to really, that's going to be a good show. Might be a multi-parter show even. Um, and we'll see about Mark Kennedy. We'll see about Mark Kennedy. Um, yes, that, yes, Ace, that is, that is the lawsuit story. Um, really, really funny. Really, really funny. Tanner says, I trade a Misfits record for one of those tote bags. Bobby has the only one I ever saw. It's a great story. You know what? I'm going to tell it for my channel real quick. But you still should go go check out Rock Fantasy. Go check out that episode I just posted in the comments. But here's the here's the story real quick. From, from my This is from my perspective. And I told the story on that channel, but I've never told the story on my channel. So I'm going to tell the story for you right now. Super quick. What's going on, Javis Bickle? How you doing? Um, what happened was I was living in Chicago at the time. And there there was this girl Stephanie and a girl that I hung out with in my circle of friends and she had uh, a bag a tote bag and it had a picture it was like a black and white it, it was Bobby but it was like you know it, it looked kind of like um what's it called like a uh what's the a linoleum it looked like a linoleum print you know what I mean like just in just in black like printed onto the bag um and it's that famous picture of Bobby. You know, he's got the guitar. He's got the Les Paul over his shoulder. And he's got the the the, the, the mohawk. You've definitely seen it. And uh, so it's kind of like this, uh, I don't know what you would call that, one-tone print of Bobby on a tote bag. And I turn to her and I go, oh, Stephanie, you, you, um, you like the undead. She's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, the undead. She's like, the undead? I go, yeah, you got, you got Bobby Steele. Bo who, Bo Bobby Steele? Who's Bobby Steele? Uh, on your tote bag, Bobby Steele on your tote bag. And yeah, right. Thank you. Oh, it's a, 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 a lino cut block print. That's what it looked like. It was a block print. He goes, she goes, uh, Bobby Steele. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Your look at your tote bag. So she looks at her tote bag. She goes, she takes one look at this, this block print of Bobby Steele, the picture I mentioned. She goes, she goes, I thought that was Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? And of course, you know, we all know Bobby's email address. I mean, he like, you know, I actually, I think the reason why I had Bobby's email, I first found it on, on one of tvcasualty.com's interviews. Cause you know, Bobby used that. Bobby has the same email, the Juno email address he's had for, you know, 20 something years and maybe even longer. And so I sent him an email. I said, Hey, Bobby, like, you know, this is 2007. I send him Bobby an email. He doesn't know who I, we've never met. I, we met. I met him one time at, after an undead show in 2006, but he didn't, I didn't know him and he didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know him at all. I didn't, wouldn't meet him until I wouldn't meet him, meet him until later. Um, but I sent him an email. Cause like Bobby was always cool. Bobby would, you know, respond like to emails all the time. Still probably will respond to emails. And I said, um, you know about these, this, these to uh, Bobby is this, you have a, you're doing a dish. Cause, cause I say to Stephanie, I go, where did you get the bag? She goes, I got it from Walmart. I go, you what Bobby Walmart is selling undead bags. It's sort of like, that doesn't sound right. So I emailed Bobby. I was like, Bobby, you know about this? That Walmart is selling tote bags with your face on them. Bobby emails me back. And uh, it's just before I had my modern Gmail account. Otherwise I would have a copy of this because I've never deleted an email Going back to late 2008, I have every email I've ever received from someone from, from an address. I kept that email address 
Uh, it's an excellent it's an excellent database file filing cabinet. And um, Bobby says, oh, yeah. Oh, I know all about them. And we are currently suing Walmart. We're in a lawsuit with Walmart. And Bobby, they settled with Bobby um, with with that, with that whole thing. But it was just so funny that I was just randomly walking. I randomly see Bobby Steele. Because you don't normally see Bobby Steele on a tote bag. It's like kind of like a weird thing to see. And... And she didn't even know it was Bobby Steele. That was the best part. She thought it was Jimi Hendrix. I thought that was so funny. And so we talked a little bit about that at the very end of that rock fantasy episode. So check that out. There's way more good stuff. There's a lot of interesting misfit stuff on there. Bobby talks about being, and you know, I don't think Bobby really likes talking about being in the misfits too much anymore. It's not really, you know, he'd rather talk about the undead, I think at this point. And I, I understand that. I understand that a bit. Um, but he 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 was a good sport, and he talked he talked a whole bunch about the misfits uh, for for this Halloween episode. Good episode, check it out, guys. Um, let me check the comments real quick before we close things out here. Damn, I made my mom drive me to get a tote bag. I have no idea what I did with it, but it was ugly and cheap looking. <laughs> Dan says. Jim has a million stories. He needs to record them. Um, growing up, Lord says, growing up, kids who play black metal love misfits, hate Danzig. Kids who play death metal love Danzig, though. Uh, thought the misfits were annoying. Isn't it weird how that all works, huh? Weird. And that's the last we heard of Stephanie. Yes, indeed. I believe she went back to Texas after that. Guys, did you have fun tonight? I had a lot of fun. Great episode. Fun episode. We always have fun here on the show. Um, tomorrow night, I'll be over at the Sinful Celluloid YouTube channel. We've moved things over. We're officially over there. Super happy for Chris. Congratulations to Chris on on the move to the channel. And we'll be talking, um, we'll be talking over there for an episode of Sinful Celluloid. We're going to be talking about thrashing 80s, 80s skateboard movies. So if that is something that you are into go check it out um thank you walter white glad you like the show tonight ace thanks for dropping by and 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 um breaking down some knowledge for us and like some band stuff that i wasn't aware of that like you know just about like musical directors and stuff always love hearing insight from musicians it always helps because i'm not a musician myself jagger had a good time as well Guys, um, one last thing I'm going to tell you about besides, again, riotstickers.com. Check out the promo. If you need stickers, you're not going to find a better deal than that. Use Frumis for the promo code. Um, and Oh, and the Patreon as well. If you're a Patreon guy, you already know what's coming. If you're not in, on the Patreon, you should sign up. We got lots of cool little tidbits that don't find their way to YouTube that re remain only on the Patreon. Really, really fun stuff. If you'd like to know more about the Patreon, I guess I could tell you about it. We have a nice way of saying goodbye on this channel. We say peace and hair grease. I don't know what, th why, what this has to do. It just feels right. Like you go peace and then you go like this. What is that? Is it just a man walking? Shouldn't it be like an H? I, I don't know how I can't make an H though. Peace and hair grease. Oh, that's what I'll do. Okay, okay, okay. So it's like this now. Okay. Yeah, let's get ready. Ready? It's like this. Peace 
and hit. No, that's kind of lame. That's kind of stupid. I got, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you on it. In the meantime, in the meantime, Patreon. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it gonna be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. And... <laughs> the YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents. Make it from Florida! 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 Oh, no.